Romans chapter number four. Romans chapter number four. Again, uh, my wife was supposed to teach tonight, but she kind of had a, a long week, and uh, so I am uh, continuing our study in Romans. And I would imagine that not before too very long, she'll be uh, she'll be up here blessing us with her gifting. So, Romans chapter number four. Um, you know, most people think that they become acceptable to God by doing the best they can. You know, if you ask those people how do you uh, get in right standing with God, they would tell you be good people, um, do what's right. You know, I I, uh, I didn't party too hard on, on that Tuesday. Okay, I didn't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I take care of my family. I, I, I don't I don't use too much profanity. You know, if you, again, you're just asking a common joke. Hey, how do you how do you get in right standard standing with God? I'm better than my coworker, okay? If you work offshore, you know, folks like to compare themselves, huh? It's like, hey, I'm, I'm better than that guy, okay? I mean, I might not, not, might not be as good as you, Nick, but I'm a lot better than that, that okay? A lot better than that company, man, okay? You know, so we like to compare each other, and, and people think that's how they become acceptable to God. Most actually believe they're secure with God's approval by being reasonably good, by being respectable and an upright citizen, and, Occasionally, maybe helping others that are less fortunate. But note a real startling fact. The man is just is not justified by his works, but by faith and faith alone. And that's what Paul's been talking to the Romans about. And he continues that study in Romans chapter number 4. And he actually gives us three different examples of being justified by faith and not by works. So let's read it together. Romans chapter number 4, beginning with verse number 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse 6, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Three examples that, that, that Paul chooses to give the Roman church and he gives us today of how we are saved by faith and not by works. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I just pray tonight that you would open up our hearts to receive from you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we're not saved by our works, we're saved by our faith. And Lord, I just pray today that our faith would be encouraged and be built up, and that, God, we would uh, we'd be everything that you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. Um, again, three examples are given right here. The first one is the logic of Abraham's justification. You can't talk about faith without bringing up Abraham, okay? And it's what a little kid's church song, Father Abraham, and maybe sons, okay, I'm not going to sing. I already sung more in this service than I have in a long, long time, and I'm not going to do it again, okay? I managed to get that little phrase out without getting too bad off tune, okay? But, uh, but I'm not going to sing Father Abraham, but you can't talk about faith without bringing up Abraham, because Abraham was the father of faith. He made some decisions that were based on faith. He made some decisions that honored God, and God honored him because of it. And nothing has changed in those thousands of years since Abraham walked this earth. God still honors faith. Amen? God still honors faith. In fact, Hebrews 11 and 6 says what? Without faith, it's what? Impossible. 
see, a person can look at Abraham's life and logically see that a man is not justified by works, but he's justified by faith. A couple examples. Abraham was not justified by works, for works cannot qualify a person to glory before God. Note this. If Abraham had been justified by his works, he would be qualified to glory before him. But he would not be qualified to glory before God. Think about it. The logic here. The clarity of the matter. No man is ever qualified to glory before God. In fact, what does the Bible say about our righteousness? Our righteousness, we like to compare our righteousness to others. We like to compare ourselves with others, okay? Well, I'm doing a little better than grace. Okay, well, that's nice. How are you doing compared to Jesus? Okay? That's who our standard should be. That's, that, that, that's our mark, okay? Our mark is not being like Sister Garland, even though that's a pretty good start, okay? Watch what you say, Donald. But, but we need to get to the place where our focus is Jesus. That's our mark, okay? And it's not the things that we do. It's the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So we need to be reminded that, 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 that salvation by works would allow us to glory in ourselves by saying, look what I've done. But when it's by faith alone, glory doesn't come to you and I. It goes to the one who's due glory. It goes to the one who gave his life on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Amen? So that's why it's so important for us to grasp this fact that we're not saved by our works. Now, when we get saved, we do good works. It's appropriate to want to serve the Lord. It's appropriate to want to have some active faith. It's appropriate to want to give to the Lord. It's appropriate to want to help people in need. It's appropriate to do mission trips and minister in different ways. That's all appropriate, but those things don't save you. Your faith in Jesus is what saves you. And that's what Paul was trying to get across to the Romans. You see, Abraham was justified by believing God. What happened was this. Abraham believed God. And God took Abraham's belief and counted his belief as righteousness. It was not Abraham's works, but it was his faith that God took and counted as righteousness. It was an all it was all an act of God. Therefore, all glory belong not to Abraham, but to God. Man is saved by faith. That is, God takes a man's faith and counts that faith as righteousness. That's exactly what he did in Abraham's life. That's exactly what he does in our life as well. Amen? You know what? I am thankful for what the Lord has done in my life in 25 years, but I don't take the credit for it. Okay? I don't even give the credit to my wife, even though she had a lot to do with it. I give all credit and all glory and all honor to Jesus. Amen? And that's where the focus of everything has to be. We need to point people, not to ourselves, not even to our church, but to Jesus. Amen? Because the Bible says, if I be lifted up, Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, what would happen? He would draw all men unto himself. So many times we get our focus off of Jesus and it gets us in trouble. Let's put our focus back on where it belongs. Paul basically said these things also to the church of Galatia and the church at Ephesus. In Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 16, Paul writes, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Into Ephesians, in, in chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, God knew that we liked to boast. God knew that we liked to boast. 
each other and comparing each other to, to, to one another and say, hey, I'm doing a little better than you, but you're not quite as good as you, and I'm trying to head in the right direction. No, no, no. Your focus is not on us, it's on him. Amen? And that's what Paul was trying to get through the Romans, because the Romans were a very proud people. Very, very proud people. Okay? And that's why Paul was really hammering home to this point. We've been talking about this for some weeks now. Why? Because the Roman psyche was a very proud people. They always like to point at what they've done. My goodness, some of the things that they, some of the architecture that they created is still around today. You can go to Rome today and see portions of the Colosseum. You can see some of the great aqueducts, some of the great engineering marbles that they put together. Charles, you can go see that today in Rome. They were very proud people that had a lot of things that they pointed to and said, look at me. God said, no, don't look at you, look at him. And that's, that's, and you know what? There's some real parallels to us as Americans. To us as, as folks from the good old U.S. and A. Because we, 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 we live in a great country. We live in the best country on the face of this earth. And it's real easy sometimes for us to think it's all about us. No, it ain't all about us. It's all about them. Amen? Here's a thought. Why does God justify a man through faith? There are at least two reasons. First of all, God loves everyone with a perfect love. God wants everyone to live with him in a perfect state of being throughout all eternity. God is perfect. Therefore, he alone can provide the only perfect way for man to live in his presence. Because God is love, he has reached out for man by providing that perfect way through his son, Jesus. It's kind of like John said in John chapter number 3. Obviously, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Then he continued in John 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Secondly, God loves his son with a perfect love. Any person who honors God's son by believing in him is accepted by God. You see, this is a picture of this happened at Jesus' transfiguration in Matthew chapter number 17, verse number 5, that says, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased Hear ye him. Basically, do what he tells you to do. And nothing's changed in 2,000 years. We're still supposed to do what he tells us to do. Amen? Now, the second example that, that Paul gives the Romans is in verses 4 and 5. It's the logic of the worker or the laborer. A person can look at the day or, or look to a laborer and logically see that a man is not justified by works but by faith. You see, works necessitate a debt. When a man works, someone owes him something. If a man could work for righteousness, that is, work so that God would owe him righteousness, then God would owe man. God doesn't owe us anything. Amen? In fact, we owe God everything. God doesn't owe us anything. God, being God, is completely self-sufficient. Therefore, he cannot be put in debt to a man. He cannot be made or forced to do anything. Secondly, Believing in God results in righteousness. It is the ungodly who believe who are counted righteous. 
This is because the man who admits he is ungodly is the man who rejects self, sensing his need for God in spiritual matters. He is ready to give himself up, give up the honor and the glory to God alone. Therefore, he centers and wraps his whole life around God, depending solely upon God for righteousness. In fact, guys, our righteousness comes so far short of the righteousness that is found in Christ Jesus. Isaiah said our righteousness is like filthy rags, okay? It's like Brother Bernie, it's those rags that you have oil on and mechanic in, and, and it's just those, those things that you just throw away, okay? It's filthy rags. It's just things that are worthless, okay? You know, every now and then my wife tries to get me to take some of my old shirts and use them as rags. Because, Kate, she thinks they're worthless. Well, they're not worthless to me, okay? I keep them for painting, okay? I keep them for different things like that. Some of you ladies, you try to throw away your guys' stuff because you think they're worthless, okay? You know what? That's what God thinks of our righteousness done outside of Jesus. Worthless. They're no good. How long? Not good. You see, guys, God can never turn away from a person who senses and confesses his ungodliness and who wishes to recognize and glorify God. God is love, and God's love is bound to be moved by someone who humbly comes to him like that. You see, that's what it comes down to, realizing that we can't do it ourselves, that religion can't do it for us, that only a real relationship with Jesus can make the difference in our lives. Amen? Galatians 3 and 6 said this, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness' sake, Philippians 3 and 9, and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Because we need God. And then the third example is the logic of David's blessed man. A person can look at prophecy, at the man described by David, and see clearly that justification is not by works, but by faith. Know who the blessed man is. The blessed man is the man, like you and I, who has been counted righteous without works. Note the word impute. It means to reckon, to count, to put to one's account, to credit, to deposit. Just think for a moment. God has credited your account in the area of righteousness. Amen? How many have kids? Y'all have kids, huh? So many times my kids will text me and say, get mom to put money on my account. Okay? Because they're at Wings to Go, or they're at Taco Bell, or they're at some place, and Sister Garland, they need money. They need something credited to their account. Now, have they done anything to get that credit? No. Okay? They don't even clean their room. Okay? They, they you know, okay, I'm not going to go there. Okay? But, but the benevolent father gives to their children something they didn't earn, they didn't deserve, but I give it to them because I love them. It's just a small illustration of how our Heavenly Father credits you and I as righteous. We don't deserve it. We didn't do a whole, whole lot to earn it. But because of His Son, Jesus, and when we put our faith in Him, God sends credit to our account. That's a good deal. We come out really good in that deal. Amen? And that's the picture of what, what, what David uh, was talking about as the blessed man. Pure logic tells us this. Therefore, the blessed man is the man who has righteousness imputed, credited to him, not because of his works, not because of what he's done, but because he believes God. And God loves him 
Isaiah 55 and 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. David continued in the Psalms, Psalm 78, 38. But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity, destroyed them not. Yea, many in time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. Psalm 85 and 2, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people, thou hast covered all their sins. Psalm 103, 3, Who forgiveth all thy iniquities? Who heals all thy diseases? Psalm 103, 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And that's good news, guys. That's the good news. That's the crux of the gospel. That's the crux of the good news. God forgives sins. And all we have to do is ask in faith. First John 1 and 9, one of my favorite scriptures, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation 1 and 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amen. Now let's continue with verses 9 through 12. Paul continues. Uh, he talked about the right way for us to, to receive forgiveness through faith and by faith alone. But, but if there's a right way, then often there's a wrong way as well. And some people think they're saved because of their traditions or, or different things today. Today is Ash Wednesday. It's a very traditional day in some religions, okay? And, and that's good. I, I saw people at Walmart today walking around with ashes. I used to do that kind of stuff. I don't do that anymore because that doesn't save me. My faith in Jesus saves me, okay? So, so, so some people think sometimes traditions or things that you've always done save them. And obviously, that is not the case. Let's look at it. Verses 9 through 12 of Romans 4. All right, cometh the blessedness them upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? Was he when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, circumcision, a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had not, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed upon them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but also who walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. So again, the tradition that Paul is talking about here is circumcision. Okay? In those days, that was a sign. That was a sign that you believed God. That was something the Jewish people took very seriously. Something they still take very seriously. Okay? And it was a, a tradition that, that, that he was talking to them about that that's, that, that that tradition doesn't save you. That tradition is just a sign. It's just a symbol. It's a symbolic thing. It's a lot like water baptism. At the end of this month, we're doing a water baptism service. If you haven't been baptized since you've come to faith, or even maybe you once served the, God, the Lord and you got baptized a long time ago, and then you drifted away and you come back to the Lord, is it appropriate to get re-baptized? Yes, it is. Okay? It's absolutely appropriate. Why? Because it's a sign. It's a symbolic gesture of what God has done inside, and you're proclaiming it on the outside. So let's look at what... Um, what Paul was talking about. So who receives the blessings of forgiveness? 
You know what? We're teaching on our series right now on God's promises, right? And it comes down to do you believe God is who He says He is and He can do what He says He can do? Amen? It's simple as that. Now, while Abraham received circumcision as a sign or a symbol only, circumcision was not the road into God's presence. It was not what made Abraham acceptable to God. Circumcision did not confer righteousness on him. It only confirmed that he was righteous. Circumcision did not convey righteousness on him. It only bore testimony that he was righteous. A great illustration to us today is one of the ordinances of the church, the water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save you. It's simply a symbol of you getting saved. Jesus was baptized. You should be baptized as well. It's a public proclamation that God has done something in your life. And it's a great thing. And that's, so when you see circumcision in Romans chapter number four, maybe think more along the lines of baptism. Because I don't know about you, but we don't really grasp that idea. And me and you aren't excited about the idea either. Okay? So we want to talk about symbolic gestures of faith. Okay? And, and water baptism is a great illustration of this. But in this situation, circumcision was simply a sign. It was a celebration. It was a witness of the righteousness that had accomplished things in Abraham's life. It wasn't what caused him to be righteous. It was just a symbolic gesture of his now being righteous. Circumcision was a seal in that it stamped God's justification upon Abraham's mind. Abraham had believed God, and God had counted his faith as righteousness. Circumcision was given as a seal or a stamp upon his body to remind him that God had counted him righteous through his belief. You see, what God had done in Abraham, he has done in each and every one of us by faith. Amen? It's the same thing. See, this is not to take away the importance of rites and rituals. They're extremely important, for they are the signs and seals of Christian believers by faith. To neglect these rites, to neglect these traditions is not a good thing. At the end of this month, I was just telling Pastor, uh, telling Brother uh, Whit this before church, that uh, on the last Sunday of this month, we're not only going to do water baptism, we're also going to do communion. Those are the two ordinances of the church. Those are things that we do in remembrance of Him. Okay, water baptism is an outward sign for new believers. And Holy Communion is our time of remembrance for what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen? And, and so we're going to do that. Why? Because it's important to do. It's, but it's not the what, it's the why. It's why do we do that? We do communion because we want to remember the body and blood of Jesus. Why do we do water baptism? Because it's an outward show, an inward glow, something God has done in a believer's life. Very simply said, if circumcision had existed when Abraham first believed God, Abraham would have been circumcised immediately. He would have obeyed God. How do we know this? Because Abraham truly believed God, and when a man believes God, he does what God tells him to do. Guys, that's really what it comes down to. Will you do what God tells you to do? Amen? So many times when I'm talking to young people, when I'm talking to people in general, when I'm counseling people, I say, do what God tells you to do. Okay? You know, is it good to do what your mama tells you to do? Yeah. Because your mama knows best most of the time. Okay, your mama loves you. She wants what's best for you. But you know what? Even sometimes mamas can be wrong. Watch when you say amen there, Chris. <laughs> but here's the deal. Even mamas can be wrong, okay? Even spouses. Oh, wait a second now. Even wives can be wrong. Boy, this is the nice I'm talking on now. But here's the thing. God's never wrong. Do what God tells you to do. Do what the Word tells you to do. Do what the Holy Spirit 
this, of course, is a strong message on baptism for the New Testament believers, for you and I. A true believer should be baptized immediately upon believing. Baptism should be the first step of obedience in a believer's new life. A couple scriptures that confirm that. Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Colossians 2 and 12. We are buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith and the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And then let's close with verses 11 and 12. You see, Abraham was chosen by God for a twofold purpose. Before looking at the purposes, note that Abraham is said to have a unique relationship to the world. He is not seen as a mere private individual, but as a public man, a representative man of the human race, a pivotal figure in human history. He is seen as the father of all who believe. You and I believe he's the father of those of us who believe. God chose Abraham for two specific purposes. Number one, Abraham was chosen that he might be the father of all believers, regardless of ritual or ordinance. Abraham was chosen by God to be the father of faith for all those who repent and believe Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. No matter how uncircumcised, unbaptized, irreligious, immoral, whatever the case may be, when we put our faith in Jesus, everything changed. When Abraham put his faith in God, everything changed. Abram to Abraham, the result of faith. When he put his faith in God, everything began to change in his life. When we put our faith in God, things began to change as well. Second Corinthians 7, uh, 5, 17, Therefore, if you may be in Christ, he's what came? New creature. The old has passed away. Everything becomes new. Amen? Secondly, Abraham was chosen that he might be the father of of the circumcised, of the religious who follow in the steps of Abraham's faith. No, it's not being circumcised, baptized, religious, whatever, that justifies a person. It is walking in the steps of Abraham's faith that causes God to accept you and I. You see, the religionist cannot earn merit or work his way into God's presence in righteousness. He can only trust God. He can only trust God. Trusting God it's what Sunday sermon is all about. Because again, I've been talking to you about the promises of God, and I tell you, everything is dependent on what we're talking about this Sunday, and it's trusting God. You see, it comes down to us believing that God is who He says He is, and He can do what He says He can do in every area of our lives. Amen. It worked in Abraham's life, and it's working in our lives as well. I don't know about you, but I don't plan on stopping trusting God anymore. Brother Bernie says, Stanley, y'all plan on stopping anytime soon? Now, I'm reminded one time when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and, and uh, a bunch of people had left Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, he's the best pastor around, and people were leaving him. And, uh, and, and he looked at his disciples, and he said, you guys don't leave too. And I think it was Peter. I love old Peter. He's big now. Okay? He said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Well, guess what, guys? Nothing's changed in 2000 still the words of life. There's still only one way to the Father, and that's through His Son, Jesus. And that's a faith walk. We don't walk by our feelings. We walk by our faith. So guys, I just want to challenge you today. Let's keep trusting God. Let's keep doing everything that God tells us to do. Get into the 
just this week, I was spending some time with my boys, and you know, it's always good to talk to your teenagers, even if you don't think they're listening. And, uh, and I asked them, how's their walk with the Lord? And, and they both, because, you know, sometimes my wife says, your boys ain't even saved. Yeah, they are. She says that about me sometimes, too, okay? But, uh, but, but I said, how are things with you and the Lord? And they said, good. And we talked about that a little bit. And then, and then they said, I'm not reading my Bible as much as I should. Well, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told my boys. we got to get in that word, guys. Look, I don't know about you, but I've read through the Bible several times, okay? And I'm a pretty bright guy. Okay, things come to me pretty quick. So if anybody could get by with the fact that I've already read that, already done that, already did that, it could maybe be me. But I realize every time I open that book, Nick, there's something new that comes up. Every time I open that Bible, Sister Garland, there's something new that the Spirit speaks to me. Why? Because this book is unlike any other book. The Bible has words of life in it. Amen? And just like my teenagers need those words of life, you and I need those words as life as well. Amen? We need to find encouragement. So many times we want to hear from God. Open that love letter. Amen? Open that book. You want to hear from God? Read His Word, and He promises to speak to your heart. And then what I would add to that is, do what He tells you to do. Amen? Do what His Holy Spirit prompts you to do. There's the thing, the Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that conflicts with the Word. Okay? There might be spirits that try to get you to do things contrary to this Word, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we want to make sure that we know the Word, so we'll be obedient to the right the right spirits in our life. Amen? So when you ask the Lord to guide us, ask the Lord to lead us, ask the Lord to reveal His truth to us every day of our lives. And at the end of the day, guys, 